Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. of the Spirit as we gather together around worshiping Him, lifting Him up, focusing our lives, like Mark said this morning out of Matthew, focusing our lives back upon Him. This morning's scripture lesson comes from the book of Luke, chapter 17. We're going to be looking at verses 11 through 19. Now, once again, this is a fairly common scripture, uh, so you'll want to pay close attention because it's easy to, to say, oh yeah, I know what that one says. Um, so we want to pay close attention as we share together. I also want to ask you, you know, Christmas is coming. It's, yeah, I know. It's, yeah, it's December 25th this year, um, and it's actually a Sunday, which is going to be a lot of fun. I hope you come. We're going to meet at 10 o'clock. Um, we're looking at 45 minutes to worship God, to praise Him, bring your kids. Everybody's going to be in the sanctuary. It's going to be total chaos, lots of fun, just like Christmas should be, right? Uh, what's that? Pajamas if you want, pajamas. I decided this year I'm done with the pajama thing, but you're welcome to come in pajamas. Uh, Come as you are, just come and celebrate with us. Uh, And uh, so the question always comes to me at Christmas time from deep within me, what are you going to get Jesus this year? You know, it's his birthday, (laughs) in case you forgot. Um, What are you going to give to Jesus this year? Um, So I want you to come up with some ideas before the sermon. You don't have very long. But you can do it. Uh, So this morning, we're going to see what one person gave to Jesus uh, because of his love. In chapter 17, beginning with verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God? Except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. May God add God's blessing to the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. And thank you for an opportunity to be in your house. Thank you for all the blessings you've offered us. Thank you for a day in which we can come before you and open our hearts and our minds to you and refocus our lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that that you have offered us so many blessings this day. Help us to be aware of them. Help us to see them. Help us to experience them. Lord, I I thank you that you have given us this opportunity to be in your house. To be in a place where we can keep our eyes on you. Where you are central. Where you are worshipped. Help us, Father, to see you this morning. I pray, Father, that you would speak through me, though I'm unworthy, except by your wonderful grace. Pray, Father, that your forgiveness and love would flow through us, to each other and to this world that so desperately needs your love. Thank you, Father, for your word, and may our, our, our lives and our minds be open to your word this morning. 
And we pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Mike, you want to give me that first slide? Thank you. So uh, we have been walking through our season of Thanksgiving, and, and we have been uh, focusing on giving thanks this year, and, and we've kind of looked at giving as far as uh, giving to others. For instance, we talked about giving grace and being a graceful people. We, we actually talked about uh, ways to do that, like talking to your server at the restaurant and praying for them. And, and then we talked about giving our faith. And we talked about giving our faith, putting our faith to the test and really stepping out in faith. And then last week we talked about being, just being generous, just being a people who are, are willing to give. Um, this week, though, I, I want to refocus us a little bit as we come to Thanksgiving itself. I want us to talk about giving to God. And so, hence the question, what are you going to give Jesus for Christmas this year. And so somebody over here has an answer. I know they do. Someone over here. What's your answer? What are you going to give Jesus for Christmas? Come on. You had a whole 20 minutes. <laughs> What's that? Thanks. thanks. You're going to give thanks. Well, yeah, that's something you can give to Jesus. You can give Jesus your thanks. Okay, what about over here? Time? Is that what you said? Time. Oh, see there? Look at that. Incredible to like minds right here. <laughs> give give time. What else? Come on, come on, people. Interact. Be with me here a minute. Where? Love. Good. Yourself. Good. How about the balcony? Quiet in the balcony. See, they were all starting to nod off. I could tell. <laughs> I'm catching them. No answers in the balcony. Well, you got you still got a few weeks, right? You got five weeks, um, so you can work on that. What are you going to give? God, what are you going to give Jesus for his birthday? Well, so as I was thinking about that, uh, I, I heard a story uh, about a guy named H.A. Ironside. Has anybody heard of Ironside? Uh, yes, yeah, he has a ship named after. No, it's a different Ironside. <laughs> Ironside was a preacher and teacher in the early uh, 1900s, uh, 1920. Um, he, he really got to be real big. And he lived till 1950, actually, um, lived a long time. Uh, really uh, an incredible man who had a great love uh, for his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and wanted to share Jesus with everyone. Well, one day he went to a restaurant, and he sat down to eat, and this guy came and sat down next to him, uh, kind of on the, you know, it's kind of one of those bar things, and he sat next to him, and Ironside stopped and bowed his head. And when he looked up, the man looked at him and said, are you feeling okay? And he said, yeah. He said, do you have a headache? Ironside said, no, no I, I feel fine. He said, you sure you're not feeling ill or something, or, or are you really tired? And Ironside said, no, no, I'm fine. Well, the man said, I, I wondered because I saw you shut your eyes and kind of put your head down. And Ironside said, well, I was thanking God for my meal. And the man says, Really? Why would you do that? He says, I work hard. I never thank God for my meal. He says, I work hard. I pay for that meal. And I sit down and I jump right in and I eat the whole meal. And Ironside looked at him and said, yeah. He says, you're just like my dog. He does the same thing. He dives right in. <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? He said, you know, my dog never thanks me before I... Before he dives in, he just, he put the bowl down and his face is right in it. Ooh, 
Yeah, interesting, isn't it? We come to our story this morning, and I know this is a story that most of you uh, have heard before. And I want to suggest to you this morning that in the midst of this story, um, we not lose the focus. And God, of course, is putting this all together this morning, right? Mark already helped us with that. That we not lose the focus. Because it's easy to get distracted, especially when we read a story we know. <clears throat> and in our lives, it's easy to get distracted and forget what our focus needs to be. And so this morning, as, as you begin to think about Christmas, uh, and as you think about Thanksgiving in particular, uh, don't lose your focus. Begin even now to, to re-kind of focus yourself and say, this Thanksgiving, my focus is going to be on giving thanks to God. Uh, I have to laugh. Uh, you know, you see all these Thanksgiving things going on, and, and especially these uh, TV shows about the first Thanksgiving. And the, the, the pilgrims and the Indians are there, and they get together, and, and they, they just kind of are thankful when they give thanks, they kind of give thanks for each other. But I've noticed that they've stopped saying to whom they gave thanks. And I wonder if we get caught in the same boat. We forget to whom we give thanks. We are thankful for, excuse me, we are thankful for, but we lose track of to whom we are thankful so in this morning's passage, um, Jesus is walking along between the border of Samaria and, and Galilee. And for those of you who are familiar with Scripture, um, you probably remember that the Samaritans were kind of the bad guys. The Samaritans were the outcasts. The, the Samaritans in the eyes of the Jews just didn't quite measure up. As a matter of fact, the Samaritans had a little bit different take on Judaism, uh, and they didn't accept all that Judaism accepted, and so a good Jew thought a Samaritan didn't quite amount to anything. On the other hand, the Samaritans, feeling cast out, didn't really care all that much for the Jews themselves. And so when we come to our passage this morning, what we discover is a group of people made up of Jews and Samaritans and who knows what else who have gathered together and they, they have gathered together because they are all broken. They all have leprosy. It's amazing how when you all have the same malady, you kind of overlook all the other things. Isn't that interesting? People can come from very different backgrounds and very different uh, thoughts and very different emotional status or economic status or political status, whatever it is, and when they find themselves in a similar situation, they find themselves binding together. And so we have this group, all broken, all hurting none of whom can do anything about it. And the Scripture tells us that we as human beings should all come together because the Scripture says that we have all sinned. We're all broken. doesn't matter who you are, you're broken. 
And, and I think it's interesting that sometimes we in the church begin to think that we aren't broken, they're broken. And sometimes we think, look at others and we say, well, their problem is. The truth of the matter is that we all are broken. We've all fallen short. And the only difference between us and others who haven't opened their hearts to Jesus is that we've realized that we are broken. <laughs> and they're still trying to live like they're not. And we've begun to discover how, how our brokenness can be healed. And they keep trying to fix it themselves. They haven't figured it out that they can't fix it themselves yet. Maybe you're here this morning. You've looked at your life and you say, man, my life's a mess. You're saying, well, okay, so I feel broken, but I'm not as broken as someone else I know. That's funny about leprosy, you know. When parts start falling off, and that's what leprosy does, when parts start falling off and you lose your nose and the guy next to you loses your, their ear, you don't say, ha, you lost your ear. Because you know what has happened, what you have lost, and your brokenness. We finally discover and are honest with ourselves that we are broken. That's when we begin to be open to the healing of the Lord Jesus. And what's amazing to me is that in the midst of their brokenness, they get together and they cry out. Somehow, and I wonder if there weren't more that had leprosy than these ten, but these ten have gathered together and they've gone out to see Jesus. And this is what they understand. Did you hear what they cry? They say, Jesus, Master, that's important. Understand that they can't fix themselves and their hope is this person who is greater than them, who has more power than them, might somehow be able to fix their brokenness. So they cry out to Jesus, and for the first time in their lives, some of them have looked to Jesus. Maybe they've heard about him, maybe they've, they've seen others that have been healed by him, and maybe somehow the word has gotten to them that perhaps Jesus can do something. And because they can't do anything, they'll try anything. And they run to Jesus, and they can't come close. Did you hear? They, they stood a, a distance off. That's because uh, culturally they weren't allowed to get close. They cry out, Jesus, Master, this one who might have more power, more ability, something to help me. And they say, have mercy or have pity on us. Fix us. That's what they're saying. They don't want him to send them some money. They don't want him to say, well, I'll tell you what, I'll provide a place for you to be. They want to be healed. And they cry out to him. They recognize that in their brokenness, there's nothing they can do. Trying to fix yourself still? Maybe you come to church because you think, man, if I come to church enough, I'll be good enough and my life will turn around. Can't fix yourself. I couldn't fix myself. And in those broken places that I still have, I sometimes think, well, if I, if, if I do the soap thing, I'll be good. But doing the soap thing doesn't help me. If I don't have that relationship with Jesus working in my life to bring that healing to my brokenness. But that's what Jesus offered. And what's neat is he heals all of them. Did you notice that? He says, go, go and show yourselves to the priest. Now, you and I don't, don't connect that necessarily. But when he says that, these, these who are Jews and Samaritans both know that you have to show yourself to the priest in order to be declared clean. And so when he says, go show yourself to the priest, they hear, because you're clean. And off they go. 
And how exciting must it have been to, to walk off and realize all of a sudden they're clean, they're healed. Look at them, they're excited. They're all wound up. And you came to church this morning. Some of you haven't smiled yet. I hope that you open yourself up to the healing of Jesus. What's interesting is he heals all of them. He heals all ten of them. We believe that, God, or that Jesus was the Son of God, that he knew all things. So why didn't he heal just a few? But he healed them all. Any of them that were willing to follow his instruction were healed. And it's an exciting time. I, uh, I, I realize that some people get into church and they feel better. Did you ever notice that? They feel better, so they keep coming to church because it feels good and it's kind of fun. Um, they hear about Jesus, and because they do certain things that Jesus calls us to do, uh, they start feeling pretty good about themselves and their lives. But they're still broken. You see, outwardly, things are better. And for these 10, uh, things had changed on the outside. The question was, what was going to change on the inside? Were they going to be open to the Holy Spirit and the love of Jesus Christ so that they could truly be changed. Jesus heals them all on the outside. Jesus is the one who reached out to them. Jesus is the one who gave them the truth that would bring them to a place of comfort and hope. But praise begins when you allow Jesus to truly touch you and begin to heal you. And so this morning, I, I, just want, I just want you to stop a minute and say, okay, Jesus, these are the places where I'm broken. You may be doing this for the first time, so don't be afraid. He already knows. <laughs> it's okay. He knows your brokenness. This is the place I'm broken. This is what I see. Uh, maybe take a moment and say, what do you see, Jesus? And ask him to come in and begin to heal that brokenness. He wants to heal everybody. It's amazing. He healed all ten. And they all went off. And praise begins with healing, but only one. Only one came back and focused on the one who healed him. Only one was really praising God. Did you catch that? All the others were excited and they were focused on themselves, but only one focused on the one who actually healed him. The others were going, hey, I'm healed, I'm healed. And off they go to the priest because they want to show the priest lest perhaps something happened and it fall apart. So they wanted to follow what Jesus had said, but their focus was on what he said, not on who he is. And so this one man comes back and he's praising God and he falls at Jesus' feet. Don't you think that's interesting? He's praising God and falls and worships Jesus. What's he saying? Jesus doesn't say, oh, get up, I'm not God. Do you notice that? This man bows before Jesus and worships Jesus as he would worship God because Jesus is God incarnate. The love of God flowing through Jesus comes into this man's heart and this man is beginning to be transformed. You see it? He comes back to Jesus, praising God, thanking Jesus and worshiping him. He believes that Jesus is someone different, someone who could actually make a difference in his life. He comes back and he bows 
And, and all of a sudden, it's as if he recognizes Jesus is something more than just some human being who's walking on this earth. Jesus is the Almighty God. It reminds me of that time when Jesus was resurrected. You remember when Jesus rose again from the dead and he met with people? Can you imagine if Jesus showed up today and sat down next to you in worship? Uh, my first question is, would you recognize him? <laughs> Second question is, if you recognized him, how would you respond? What would you say? What, what would you do? You, you remember Jesus appeared to the disciples, and as he appeared to the disciples, they were all excited, and, and they worshiped him, and they praised uh, him, and they, they lifted his name up, and, and they just celebrated his resurrection, and, and they shared together, and they sat around, had a meal. They must have been Baptists, and, and they, they had a great time, but one guy wasn't there. You remember that? Poor guy. Missed the, missed the party. He, he happened to not be there that day. I don't know. Something happened at home. Who knows what happened? He wasn't there. And so everybody, when they saw this man, they, they wanted to share with him what had happened. Man, you can't believe it. Jesus is alive. We saw him. He showed up. We ate together. It was a great time. And Thomas, Thomas says, yeah, right. Come on. The guy was dead. Saw him die. Put him in the tomb. Dead. Wrapped up. Dead. Saw him dead. You're telling me he's alive? Come on. No, really? Really? He's alive? Come on. Thomas says, I'll tell you what. You think he's alive? Show me the nail prints in his arms. Wound in his side. Let me put my hand in his side. Yeah, then I'll believe. So the next time when they gather together, they're, they're worshiping God. They're celebrating what God had done, the resurrection. Thomas happened to be with him. And I, I can imagine Thomas sitting in the back row going, these guys have lost it. What are they thinking? Jesus shows up again. Comes in, uh, in my mind, comes in, sits down next to Peter. <laughs> uh, not to Peter, to Thomas. Comes in, sits down next to Thomas. Thomas looks at him. Uh-oh. Now everything has to change. Jesus says, hey, Thomas, I hear you want to put, put your fingers here, put your hand here. Do you remember Thomas' reaction? Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. You see, when we begin to focus on Jesus in the midst of the struggles of our lives, and we see him at work, we can't help but recognize that he is the almighty God who wants to do incredible and miraculous things in and through us. And as he offers us those things, we can't help but say, wow, I can't believe you really are God, and begin to lift his name up in praise and begin to thank him for the, another opportunity to see his hand at work, another opportunity to see him bring wholeness and help, another opportunity for him to begin to transform not just us but those around us. And all of a sudden, our, our minds are no longer focused on us. We're now focused on him. Our, our focus begins to change. Our minds begin to change because we're no longer thinking about our brokenness. We're recognizing that God has begun to heal our brokenness and so we begin to focus on what he's doing around us and through us and all of a sudden we begin to give him praise because everywhere we turn, he's at work. He's on the throne. Things are happening. Look out. Here comes the almighty God. 
Is that the kind of life we lead? Is that the kind of victory you have? Or do you go to work saying, oh no, another Monday. I wonder what horrible, nasty thing I have to face today. <laughs> there was a pastor, I won't tell you who he, who he was. He's no longer in town, but he, he was in town for a while. We got done with one of our clergy meetings and he says, well, I guess I better go back to the office and find out what horrible, nasty thing happened while I was away. I wanted to draw ears and a tail on him and call him Eeyore. Some of us live our lives like Eeyore. Jesus says, put your focus on me. We've looked at Hebrews a number of times over the last few weeks. Uh, Hebrews is just a a powerful book. And and Hebrews 11 is all about those heroes of the faith. And and then we get to Hebrews chapter 12. And in Hebrews chapter 12, you know, in Hebrews chapter 11, all these things people did for God and how God did incredible things over and over and over again. And then in chapter 12, all of a sudden, uh, the writer of Hebrews begins to talk about how this great cloud of witnesses should do something for us. Not just celebrate what they did, but begin to refocus us. And the writer says, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, Jesus stepped into this world and began to to transform it with his love and his grace, and he died on the cross to begin to change us and change the world. And because of that, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. When we step into a situation, Jesus brings his presence, and his presence, the presence of the Almighty God, can change not just us, but our situation and the things around us and the people around us. So when we head into work tomorrow morning, or we head to school, or, or we head to uh, wherever you're headed tomorrow morning, step up to the plate. Say, okay, Lord, you have given me this day. Show me where, where it will work, where you will work in my life. Show me, Jesus. I want to be focused on you and begin to thank him and praise him because he's already beginning to do something in you. You see, he began this morning by starting to heal you. And now he's starting to give you a vision of what might be tomorrow if you would focus on him. So we want to fix our eyes on Jesus and in doing so, we can't help but praise him because we begin to see him at work in our lives and around us. And then lastly, um, I want you to notice that he was the only one. Did you notice he was a foreigner? Uh, for those of you who don't know, that makes him most likely a Palestinian. You've heard a lot of things about Palestinians. Isn't it interesting that Jesus can be at work in the life of a Palestinian? It's funny how we label people, isn't it? You realize every label you put on a person is a way to separate you from them? I'm going to label you as this. I'm going to label you as that. But this Palestinian turns around and he gets to Jesus and he's giving thanks to Jesus. And Jesus says, well, so uh, what happened to the other nine? I'll tell you what, this Palestinian, he doesn't care what the other nine are doing. Did you notice that? He doesn't care. 
The other nine can be showing themselves to the priest. Go ahead, have at it. The other nine can be going home, have at it. He's focused on Jesus. And because he's focused on Jesus, what he sees is Jesus changing him within. And it's kind of exciting when you think about it. I think about those times when all the other nine will be asked, so, you don't have leprosy anymore. And they say, yeah, isn't it great? Look, I'm healed. I say, really? What happened? Well, we were, we were yelling at this guy, and this guy said to go show ourselves a priest, and we were, we were healed. Really? Who is that guy? I don't know. Some guy who's walking along. Someone said he might be a healer. We yelled at him. Wow, it was, it was kind of cool. And look, I'm healed. I'm all better. Look at me. I can't believe it. I'm back to who I was. And now I can treat others any way I want to because, you see, I, I, I'm, I'm better now. I'm all good. But you're not all good. You're still all bad. That's the problem. <laughs> and here's this foreigner. He doesn't care about the other nine. He's focused on Jesus. He's the only one. But as he comes to Jesus, Jesus begins to change him. I, I think of the story of the, of the, the lady who... Um, washed Jesus' feet. You remember that story? And the owner of the house where Jesus had come to, to, to eat and to share um, had not provided anyone to wash their feet. Now, it was custom in those days that, that you, would, you would provide someone or you would wash your guest's feet. And usually, you, you know, you own the house, so you usually had a servant who would wash their feet. Well, this guy had invited Jesus over, but when he got there, he didn't have anybody to wash Jesus' feet. Jesus sat down. He didn't didn't say anything. didn't make a big deal out of it. It's okay. That's who you are. All right. And Jesus began to teach. Well, this lady came in who was a prostitute. And she came in, and she'd been listening to Jesus and hearing his his love and his forgiveness and his grace, and she couldn't help it. She she just was so excited about this gift of love that that he was offering. And she came and she began to cry. And she cried right on his feet. And then she began to wipe his feet with her hair. His feet who hadn't been clean. Now the owner of the house said, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. If Jesus was really who he says he is, then he would not be open to this lady getting, getting him wet. And I mean, he, knows, he would know what kind of a woman she is. Jesus knew. But he loved her. Didn't matter to him. She was a human being whom he loved desperately. Yeah, she'd made mistakes like everybody else in the room. So he said, Simon, he says, listen. He said, who loves more, the one who's forgiven a lot or the one who's forgiven a little? And the owner of the house said, well, obviously the one who's been forgiven a lot loves more. And Jesus says, that's right. And this woman who came in has not stopped washing my feet since I sat down. And you didn't even offer me anything to wash my feet with, let alone washing my feet. Then he said this, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. 
This man who realized that he was not just sick physically, but that there was something inside of him that didn't understand the love that Jesus had offered him, came and bowed at Jesus' feet, laid himself right before Jesus, said, Jesus, I need your kind of love. I need your kind of experience. I need you. And when those asked him later, hey, who is that? What happened to you? Didn't you have leprosy? This is what he'd say. I did, but my Lord and my Savior, a guy named Jesus who loved me more than anyone else, reached down and healed me and then took me into his arms and changed me deep within. Not just on the outside, but on the inside. And I'm forgiven because of his love. Jesus says, rise and go, for your faith has made you well. He realizes that there's more in his life that is broken than what's on the outside. And Jesus steps in and heals him on the inside. And then he tells him to go and share. In other words, stand out. Share. Be a witness. Tell what Jesus has done for you. Uh, uh, One of the things about Thanksgiving and Christmas is it's a great opportunity to talk about Jesus. When was the last time in public you mentioned the name of Jesus? When was the last time, I'm not talking at church, I'm talking in the world. When was the last time in the world you mentioned Jesus? Our our whole world is telling us we can't say the name of Jesus. You realize that, don't you? Don't say it at work, don't say it at school, don't say it anywhere except at home in your room. Don't mention the name of Jesus. Why are they so afraid of the name of Jesus? Because it's that name that calls us to be different. To be a people of love, forgiveness, healing, and grace. Could you mention the name of Jesus? He said, rise and go, your faith. Rise and go, your faith has made you well. Would you be willing to share that with someone? You see, when we talk about giving to God and giving Him praise... um, In the midst of your giving, thanks this year. I want to challenge you to give thanks to God, to our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to challenge you to, first of all, ask him to come in and heal those broken parts that are still broken, or maybe for the first time, the broken parts in your life, that separation between you and him, God. I'm going to ask you to take that chance, take that opportunity. This year, while you're giving thanks. Begin to fix your eyes once again on Jesus and say, okay, Jesus, where are you at work? What are you doing? Help me to see your hand in the midst of my life so that I can praise you for all that you're doing, not just all that you've done. One of the things that I think is interesting is when you ask someone to give their testimony, they tell you what Jesus did for them when they accepted Christ. And that's a great thing. I I encourage you to do that. But you know what? They can't tell you anything Jesus has done for them in the last week or in the last 10 hours or in the last three days. You see, Jesus is still at work in your life. And then I want to challenge you. Sometime before Thanksgiving this year, when you're out and about, say the name of Jesus. Just say it. See what happens. So you're ringing up your groceries, and you see the bill. And you say, thank you, Jesus, for credit cards. No, (laughs) no. Don't do that. Uh, Rather, look at the clerk that has rung you up and say, you know what? I thank Jesus for you. 
Is that hard to do? Could could you do that? Just that one thing? Or perhaps when you're at school and the teacher looks frazzled because all the other kids are, are, are just out of control. Of course, you are very good and, and being very appropriate. When class is over, go up to the teacher and say, Teacher, I, I just want to thank Jesus for you. You're at work and the boss has come down hard on you. It's been a hard day and it's a short week and the boss is really upset and stressed and you're stressed and the whole company's stressed and everybody's stressed because it's time to give thanks. When the day's over, go up to your boss. Say, listen, I know it's a stressful time of year, but this year when I sit down at the Thanksgiving table, I'm going to thank Jesus for you. I wonder how they'll respond. Maybe a little scary, but an opportunity to speak the name of Jesus, to be a witness. And if they say, what do you mean, Jesus? You can say, well, Jesus is a really good friend of mine. I know him personally. He knows me better than anyone else. And he loves me. I don't deserve to be loved like that, but he does. And he loves you too. If you'd like to talk about that, I'd be glad to talk to you about that. If not, that's okay. But this Thanksgiving, I want to thank Jesus for you. You see, can you imagine if we went to Jesus and said, Jesus, I just want to thank you for these people in my life. We thank God for things. We thank God for our job. We thank God for our family. But, but, but what about those other people? that don't know him, that are a little more difficult to deal with. Could we give thanks for them? This man turned around, gave thanks to God. Jesus said, go rise. Your faith has made you well. I pray this morning that when we're done singing here in just a couple minutes, you'll, having got up, we'll walk out of here saying, yes, Jesus has changed my life. And because of that, he is at work in my life. And because of that, I can share his love, his name. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love and for this time together to worship you, to praise you, to thank you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you were willing to die for us that we might be forgiven. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you paid it all. We thank you that you are willing to heal us all. We thank you, Lord, for those who whom we find difficult at times, and yet you've put them in our lives that we might offer them your love. Lord Jesus, we we pray this morning for those who have never opened their hearts to you. Maybe they're here in worship this morning just trying to get points with you, trying to feel better about themselves. Whatever, Whatever reason they're here, Lord Jesus, we thank you that they're here. We pray this morning that they would meet you face to face. And realize that you want to heal them deep within. That they wouldn't be trying to earn a better place. Or a better life. But that they might be able to live a better life. Free of concern. 
for tomorrow. We pray this morning, Lord, for those of us who are broken in so many different ways and seeking your healing this morning. We thank you that your presence is here already doing that. We pray, Father, that uh, you would be with us this week. That our, our lives would be focused on you, not on ourselves. And in so doing, we would see your hand reaching out and touching those around us. And we pray for courage, Lord Jesus. That when everyone else goes against you and your will and your love and your grace, that we would stand for you and your will and your love and your grace. That we would be a witness. Help us, Lord, to speak your name this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.